Welcome to the Kubrick series Uncut. I first met this episode's guests over five years ago. Director Tony Ziera and his producing partner Elizabeth Yaffe were crafting a documentary on the creative process of Stanley Kubrick, culminating in his final film, Eyes Wide Shut. Having been fans of the Kubrick series, they asked if I would be interested in being an interview subject for their film. That was 2013. Cut to 2018. Tony and Elizabeth are still working on that documentary, titled SK-13. But in the process of making that film, they happened upon a great idea for another, sitting down with Kubrick's longtime assistant, Leon Vitali, they uncovered a treasure trove of fascinating insights about Kubrick, certainly, but they were surprised to also find a deeply personal story of a below-the-line talent who deserved to be recognized. The result is Film Worker, a tender portrait of a man who worked side-by-side -side with Kubrick for 25 years, first as a co-star in his classic costume drama Barry Lyndon, and later as his personal assistant until the time of his death in 1999. The film is currently earning raves as it travels across the United States throughout the remainder of the year. For more information on the film, visit filmworker.com. Dear Leon, thank you for your great talent, energy, and kindness. Sincerely, Stanley. people who met him for the first time would always come out saying, oh, geez, nothing like what I've heard about. I know the real Stanley Kubrick. What Leon did was a kind of crucifixion of himself. 30 years he spent with Stanley Kubrick. They were inseparable. I was doing theater, television, prestige, costume dramas, BBC, one-off plays, cop dramas, sitcoms. I shocked you, didn't I? A phone call came through, and my agent told me, you've got the role in Stanley Kubrick's picture. Can you imagine? Ah, oh, can you imagine? I almost passed out. Leon was a spirit, the apprentice, that all of a sudden one day became the master with all the answers. Danny, you gotta listen to Stanley. Look scared. Look back, look back. Left Danny, turn right. Look around now. Hesitate. He was my acting coach. Come and play with us, Danny. It wasn't even in the script that they were twins. I was just looking for someone who was good. And he looked at it and just said, well, it's no question, is it? Stanley assigned Leon to me. Sir, no, sir! Are you a Peter Pepper? Beat it up, beat it up. Fast, fast, fast. If it wasn't for Leon Vitale, I doubt I would have done half the job. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Stress. Oh yeah, there was just so much to do. Leon was always He was like, pow, pow, pow. Stanley never trusted anybody. He just did. Everything had to be to the millimeter. It is your responsibility to make sure they understand exactly what you want. Invent timing sheet, trailer translation, lab work on time, layout. I don't know how to do layouts. Sure you do. These are from Eyes Wide Shut. I'm playing eight different people. To go back and tell you quickly, like, how did this whole thing happen um, was obviously, and you knew this because you and I discussed this a while back, is that I've been working on the Kubrick documentary for years. And Leon was this crucial, very important person to go and interview. And um, I know that someone, we won't say whose name it is, helped get me to him. <laughs> And um, 
and I found Leon and I, and, you know, and I went really initially just to, you know, uh, film with him about SK 13, about Kubrick. And mm. when I just walked in that house, I was like, and I started talking to him. I was like, this can't be real because one, you feel like you're sitting with like, you know, the, you know, some being that is like, was born into film, lives in film, but also like really humble, a lot of knowledge, but forgotten. And I was like, this is just shocking that no one told that story. And I came back to Boston and then I talked to Elizabeth, my producer, Elizabeth Yaffe, she's sitting here with me. And, um, you know, I said, this is like an amazing documentary. It's like, you know, we have to do this, but I really don't have the energy or the funds to start another project being really independent the way we do things. And, uh, and I don't think it's viable to do. And so she kind of left me for a couple of days to think. And I remember she came in the next day and uh, maybe she can tell you now what she said to me. Well, after watching the basically four hours of footage that he brought back uh, of Leon in that first shoot, um, you know, and as he said, he talked about this. I came into him and I said, I think you're going to really regret it if you don't do this project about Leon. And it was for a number of reasons. One was the story felt so compelling uh, the possibility of the story, but also there was a sense of one of two things might happen. Somebody else will grab the story, <laughs> you know, or Leon won't have that story told. And so right. it just felt like nah, you, you, Stanley is always going to be Stanley and that story needs to be told too, but Leon's here now. So this might, this would be the best time to do it. Yeah. Was it a process to, to, to gain his trust? Because there's one thing, for him to, as he's done on our show, oh yeah, to, to kind of give give hours of his time relating stories about Kubrick and the working conditions, but it's another thing to what did this do to you personally? How did this take over your life, oh. your family's <laughs> lives? I mean, that that had to have been well, difficult. Well, you know, it's a great question, and it's like, and it is an important question. It did really mess with so many things because it, you know, at, at first. You know, getting him to talk, it, you've seen the movie. So when he described how Danny Lloyd was sitting in a chair and, like, didn't want to mm-hmm. say anything, that was Leon Vitali with me in the beginning. Um, more, you know, slumped in his chair and slowly, like, barely could get him to talk about himself. He almost, like, hit a wall. He couldn't talk. And, you know, I said, let's just start from the beginning, you know. And I literally went through his entire life. But it was tedious in the beginning because he didn't feel like talking. And then um, we agreed. I have to tell you, I mean, his house is like, I love him. He's brilliant, but his house is a mess. And so with, with, because he's just, he's done, you know, it's easy to like sit and say like the guy's house is a mess, but this man worked so much and done so much that it's like, you know, he, it's overwhelming. Um, for him to even like just you know deal with so many things in his life and so I you know I said what if I organized everything and then you look through things as we organize it and that will probably refresh your memory and make you like you know lose the that wall would kind of you know 
collapse and we could start to talk. And that really did help. And so everything that you see in the attic and boxes, that was all like, that's what we rebuilt slowly and organized. And we just kept going and going. But I was still shooting with Leon while I was editing because things could come up and you would, you know, so that's why when you watch the movie, it's like his look changes a lot and you could see his health changes a lot too. Like you could see sometimes he's really like, he had, uh, you know, more of a normal weight and sometimes he was really thin. So we kept going through different, different phases and um, yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was, but you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't as tough as what he, like what he went through. So it was one of those things I felt like he served Kubrick and it was the time for us to serve him because it's like, it's a, you know, it's like if you love cinema and this guy obviously loves cinema and loved Kubrick and Kubrick loved cinema and gave his life to it. You kind of go, you know, walk the walk and, uh, you know, there's one thing I want to say about this process too, Jamie. Um, and that is the match for this project uh, with Tony as the director, because when you talk about how long this took, um, and it wasn't just the, the amount of time, but it was the amount of commitment. And in order to really extract the story, you had to put everything into it. So this was not going to work if you were more on a, a typical filmmaker who's going to come in do some interviews with you you know put your footage together and like have the you know few weeks with Leon Batali you really needed to be committed to being part of this man's life which we're so thrilled that we are we love him and uh, at the same time those first four hours he brought back when he was doing the the Kubrick documentary that Leon Batali disappeared when he went back, when Tony went back to film the actual Leon Vitale documentary, because he wasn't talking, because Leon wasn't talking about Kubrick anymore. He was talking about himself. So he had to bring that guy back out. And that took time. Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah. I'll tell you the central question that, and and I'm sure you guys have gotten in a lot, uh, from people who aren't necessarily Kubrick files uh, and, and so loyally devoted to, Kubrick's work is it's kind of a no holds barred portrait of Kubrick as well because um, you see how not only exacting and demanding he was but also how at times temperamental uh, he really took over your life so I'm sure a lot of people question it almost feels masochistic at, at times why would he put himself through this we've noticed it's not even a split I think it's it's the people that don't get it are less than the people that do get it. I mean, like the people that understood, but you get people that still, no matter what they say, um, this is insane. Or they would say, I never covered that in the film. And I would always say the whole movie is about that. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, and, and, and my, the answer, the answer to it really is, of course, you'll see whatever you want to see in the story. But this is somebody that repeatedly said in the film, you know, Stanley gave everything to his movies. And that's what he connected with. And he was committed to give Stanley everything also. So it's almost like he, he loved that Kubrick was devoted to filmmaking. And he was devoted to Kubrick. 
And he felt like he was going to do whatever it takes to get Kubrick to get to that next level always because he really was not just enamored, he respected him and he loved his work. And you saw in the film, I mean, that love began when he, he was in the theater and he saw 2001 and then he saw uh, Clockwork Orange and he turned to his friend and said, someday I want to work for that man. So it's almost like a fairy tale, but Kubrick in this documentary, he's cinema. He's the ultimate taskmaster. And Leon really represents the artist and devotion. And to have both in one story, um, it, it, it's an amazing kind of mix. And it's, it's an amazing two, these really bigger than life intensity and these very giving and loving and also very uh, demanding personalities. It, it, it was fascinating to me as, as a filmmaker to find a story like that to tell. But of mm. course it was brutal. But you got to always remember that, I mean, Stanley died working. Uh, he wasn't one of those that sat in the director's chair with his cigar, the cliche, and says action. He would like, you know, he was like 70 years old and he was still up till five in the morning looking at dailies, listening to sound takes. I mean, stuff that even young directors don't do. And I think that's why we all gravitate around Kubrick because he was, when it came to filmmaking, he just gave it all, he, everything. He just gave everything. But yeah, he was tough with, with Leon, but that's just the nature of the business. And I'm sure, I'm sure Liz, we sometimes we had these conversations, so yeah. she had her take, so she'll tell you. I mean, I don't know. But. Well, you know, it's funny as I do hear that question. Um, first of all, I think that we all have to look at ourselves or look at people in the world that we're intrigued by and understand that, you know, we have our compulsions to do certain things that other people may or may not understand. But I think the best shorthand to this is let's say you're talking about somebody who's really into extreme sports or mountain climbing, right? People don't spend a lot of time going, well, why would you do this, you know, extreme sports stuff you do or this surfing or this mountain climbing that might get you killed? You know, sure, there are some people going, I don't get it, but they don't question the person's desire to go that deep into something. And in a way, Leon is kind of an extreme film guy, you know, extreme creativity surfer. And so with Stanley, and if you think of it that way, you start to understand that somebody like Leon has to go to that edge in order to feel fully alive. And I think that's really the answer. So even though it's masochistic to some people, to him, he had to do that push in order to feel that, that thrill of being part of something. That's what I would say. I totally. I mean, you know me as as another uh, Kubrick file. I completely get it. And and w when I was um, watching your portrait of Leon, uh, you know, it's clear to me that he knew that he was working for something greater than himself, which yep. is movies, uh, an artist's mm -hmm. vision, and and the movies that he produces that will live forever. And, and yeah, in that yeah. respect. Uh, in that respect, I think your portrait of Leon is really – it's also a celebration of all the kind of below-the-line, behind-the-scenes people that yeah. contribute to the movies that mean so much to us that we don't know their names, but they were 
instrumental in making those movies a reality. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Leanne was the perfect representative of that. And, you know, there are so many people in that business that basically they, um, they just, they're not appreciated because, again, we tend to be the celebrity society. It's always the stars in the movie. And people like that don't really get their, you know, acknowledgement. Um, and, but also that devotion, that level, because it's all, you know, you know, Kubrick's films, they're all about the details. And Leon was really one of those dedicated people to getting those de- details done. And it's, it's such an important story to tell. And it really shows you also, I think, what, how much goes into making a good movie. That was very exciting for us to tell because you don't get that many filmmakers. Like it's, just, it's, it's impossible. And to meet someone that was right there working with the creativity and with Kubrick to like five in the morning again and, you know, never a vacation for like 20-something years, it's, it's quite remarkable, but, you know, but even editing this, I mean, I got to a point where, like, I, my thyroid shot out completely, and I started to really, like, you know, hallucinate in a way because I wasn't sleeping. But there is something about it that just makes you kind of, like, you know, every time you go, oh, no, 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 I need to take it easy, you go, yeah, but they didn't take it easy. It's like, why would I? And it's, um, it's just, it's so energizing. And then you release your film and it's like a lot of times you'd work on a movie and it wouldn't even see the light. And so, but once people sit and see it and watch it, it's like that all that pain and all that insanity that you put yourself through completely disappears. And somehow I wanted Leon to get that. I wanted Leon to feel yeah. like everything he did had, he, of course he knows it had value, but to be forgotten or not be honored in our industry is kind of really sad. And I think to kind of crack that a little bit and kind of make people really appreciate people like Leon now. But um, like, as I mentioned to you earlier, once we, um, you know, he was like really ill towards the middle. And at one point it was like, we thought we were going to lose him. And so, you know, once we submitted, once we were done with the rough cut in a way, and we sent it to Cannes, um, you know, there was also this kind of ticking clock because I was sitting there going literally like almost like praying in my own head, like going, please, like just let this get in there because I really want him to be there to see, you know, to be acknowledged and for his children who didn't really know much about his journey um, to show the world and for him to kind of be appreciated. And, um, you know, we got in and we just, we didn't believe it. And then we got there and I think that was like a big job for Liz to get in Leon there and like getting even the money to get everybody to Ken was like, and well, that was a production in itself. I mean, everything is so costly in this business and it's so frustrating. We got Leon there and, oh, I'll share this with you. So we get there and they said, well, you need a tuxedo. Of course, I showed up with a t-shirt with a hole in it. And they, you know, the, France and at Cannes, they were like, that's unacceptable. And I'm like, well, that's just the reality. So they borrowed the tux for me. And then Leon was coming in two days after me, before the premiere. And so we called Leon. We're like, Leon, you have to find a tux. And so he goes, oh, he goes, you know what? I think in the closet, I have Tom Cruise's tux from Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> and we were like, What? And I said, and it fits because it fits perfectly. 
he put it on. He went to the premiere and he had this amazing six minutes of standing ovation to a point that we were in tears and we walked away. We let him stand in the center under the light and people just kept clapping and clapping because they just couldn't believe how much this man did. And his children were literally in tears too. And it was like, that was it. It's like after that, we had premieres. Who cares? That was really the, um, that was the, that was the beauty. It was, was really a special moment, you know? How many people, how many people get to say, oh, I think I have Tom Cruise's tux in my, uh, in my closet. (laughs) Isn't it? But, and you know what's so funny? He is like that. Like you would, I was filming with him for like three years, right? Two years would go by and I would hear, oh, did I ever tell you that I have Kubrick's audition? I mean, it's like, you go, what? It's been two years. I've asked you that question 20 times. There's so much happened like in his life and he did so much that sometimes, Stuff just out of nowhere. He goes, you know, he tells you stories that you go, there's no way. Why didn't you tell me this before? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't tell you. It's, but that is just that kind of man he is. And that's how rich his life is. As you know, we had done a lot of research um, in a lot of places looking for uh, memos and things like that beforehand. Before, before we met Leon. And then when... Tony thought, okay, let's go through these materials, the boxes that Leon had, just, you know, his personal things, and we started to open them. And there was so much, I can't even describe to you what's in those. But despite, you know, there's, first of all, there's notebooks. You saw the notebooks in the movie, just like dumped out. These are notes, everything, sitting next to Kubrick, everything you can imagine. And then there's memos from Stanley, and there's weird little mementos and just things. And we were just, our eyes just bugged out. We couldn't believe it. And at one point, um, you know, as Tony said, he reached underneath the couch couch or something. There were some tapes. And there was the Kubrick audition with uh, Marie Richardson. And there were the kids in Kubrick's office. And so Tony, well, you told us part about how. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll share that with you. So. One day I took a tape that I, I think it was under the couch and I put it in the machine and then I hear Stanley's voice (laughs) and I was like, what the hell? And then I see this woman in a wig and it was Maria Richardson. And then I see Stanley coming by and it's the audition tape. And then I'm like looking at it going like, literally, I cannot believe my, because you know, you know, we're like you, like really Kubrick obsessed. And, and I'm going, what is this? And then, of course, I discovered that. He goes, oh, it's the audition tape. And I can hear Leon in the tape. And actually, there is more of that tape that we'll, we will have in SK-13. And, um, and then, so, of course, yeah, I can't say, well, can I use this? So then, of course, pause, pause. And then Leon looks at me and goes, do you want to use this? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Yes. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, what, as, I was, as yeah. I was watching the movie, uh, yeah. That clip came on of the Eyes Wide Shot edition, and I actually screamed yeah. out loud, You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> Did this exist? I, I had I no idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're watching our idol, you know, we're watching the man that we really love, you know, his work. Actually, you, to, to just hear him, not even see him thinking and kind of going, you know, and the stuff he says. It's incredibly amazing. Like, don't, you know, stand, but don't stand with, with your legs straight. 
and you've never been a model, and you go, oh, my God, Stanley, like even the stuff that you say, you know, the, the random stuff you say is priceless. But, uh, you know, that's why he was, he was, he's really unique. And, that's, and you do see that. Leon says that over and over. He was really an unusual um, human being. But that's why Leon stayed. That's why Leon did it. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. Nick Ren that says in the movie, when you meet someone that is like really what was 99% of the human race that is unusual, of course you're going to like say, I'm not leaving. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sit right by you and I want to go along for the journey because um, this is priceless. But when someone that had been with Kubrick for so long and Kubrick meant so much to him, his life revolved around Kubrick. When Kubrick passes, he must have felt like an orphan in a way. And um, oh. it was was it a process for him to find purpose in his life following Kubrick's passing? Well, you know, you can see, like, let's say, let's put it this way, the the couch with the doll, the Kubrick doll next to Leon. Um, mm-hmm. I think somebody thought that was like, oh, did you guys made a doll for, like, to sell or something? I'm like, no, that, <laughs> that was in the house <laughs> uh, on, on one of his cabinet, and that doll was actually made by Vivian, by Vivian Kubrick. Because when Stanley ah. died, um, you know, when he went to the hospital, when Leon was in the hospital, they really thought he was having, you know, it hit him hard. But he didn't really realize that, that Kubrick, that he lost him until I think six months later when he delivered the last territory of Eyes Wide Shot to Turkey. And um, he basically ended up going to the hospital and had to be on meds, uh, Prozac or something. They had to go to antidepressants. And uh, and that's when they made him that doll, so he would have something to kind of lift his, you know, spirits. And and so that's how this doll came about. And um, so, yeah, it was a very tough, but it's almost one of those things that you realize it took time. Because when he died, Leon said there was no time to even feel, to be aware of your own emotions. There was just, and especially if you're Leon, there was so much pressure on him because every time they couldn't find something, asked Leon. Every time they wanted to do something, asked Leon. But equally also, and we touch on that in the movie, we actually we cover it, I think, enough um, about the fact that now you're an assistant. But So anytime you say that Stanley wanted things that way, not everyone is going to listen to you. And so that was really a tough position and... If you listen carefully in the film, I said, was it easy? He said, no, like flat out, no. He said it was terrible. And he had to endure so much, not only emotionally, but also work-wise to kind of keep that, to keep it going about everything that Kubrick wanted and the way Kubrick wanted things. Yeah. And there's so much you can do as an assistant. But, but I think if Leon wasn't there, I think it would have been really bad. Um, and you, see, well, that's, you, that's you just, saw that's just it. Yeah. yeah, that's just it. I mean, his his mission since Kubrick's death uh, has really been to the benefit of of movie fans all over the world because he's there handling every restoration to to yeah. what he understands were Kubrick's specifications. He's got the the books and the notes, the color timing as they were in the the suite yeah. editing it the first time around. I mean, he is really kind yeah. of like the 
the harbinger of all of Kubrick's legacy in a, in a big way. Yeah. And I, and I, I find it incredible. And we discussed that at like screenings that we have, you have to remember the guy started as an actor and then followed by becoming an assistant. And as an actor, when Stanley said in Barry Lyndon, get me an 18, he said he didn't even know what that is. And, you know, you cut years later and Leon is color correcting Stanley Kubrick's films or restoring them. That's like, that's quite an achievement. Just like to acquire all that knowledge. And it's not like he's, you know, Kubrick was school and he was like the toughest, you know, teacher. Yeah, that's like, uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. It's like normally it's, it's unusual. It's, it's crucial and it's important. And, it's, and I think that's why also it was important to tell the story. Leon would, be, would have been a lot more celebrated during this kind of revival of the Kubrick world that's been happening if he had stayed an actor. Because then he would be Lord Bullingdon coming to the gala you know, instead, he becomes the most, one of the most important people, the assistant, and then becomes invisible. So this, mm. the, what the world looks like as the step down from being a celebrity to being a crucial, uh, you know, right-hand person is, is really part of the fascinating aspect of this story, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he has no regrets, or he seems to have had no regrets about kind of abandoning his life as an actor. I mean, first of all, he did act for Kubrick again and in, yeah. in other projects like Eyes Wide Shut, but uh, he felt totally fulfilled from the work that he did with Stanley in the assistant capacity. So he didn't feel like there was something missing there professionally. You know, I would say, you know, I mean, you know, because... It, it, you you make a movie and you structure it in a way, which is like, of course he doesn't regret, but there are days when it's kind of tough for him. Let's say when, you know, you have a, 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 an, the exhibit, let's say, and you're not invited or you have a screening yeah. and no one thinks it's you're important or like they're showing Barry Lyndon somewhere. And then, and I've seen it happen and they invite you, then they cancel it two days later because they invited a bigger celebrity. That stuff could also get to you. And sometimes he kind of learned not to think about it. But then when I stepped in, both of us stepped in. But as like I was always asking the question, I was always kind of, you know, being a filmmaker, instigating that in a way of like, because I was pissed off too, but I also wanted to cover that. And so I would say, you know, you got to be upset. And he'd be like, no, I'm not. I was like, come on. And he'd be like, well, yeah, I had my moment this morning, but he kind of learned how to, to suppress it and let it go because he always looked at the what what was more important. But for me, actually, I was more pissed off than him because mm-hmm. when when I went to L.A. met together and he gave me the tour, I was really amazed to be standing in line outside to get a ticket. And to see Leon Vitali standing in line paying for his own ticket, that pissed me off. Because, you know, you heard he went like, yeah, 30 times he went, at least. And not just like walking around, giving people tours, like special tours of like telling them this happened and that happened. And and to kind of go, you know what, at least you guys give him a free pass (laughs) to go in every time he comes by. 
And that really drove me crazy. So I would see things like that, and then I would drag them into the story. And it's like I wanted to, but I wasn't, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't like, let me just bring that in the story because it's going to make the audience go, oh, wow. No, I wanted to kind of see, it's like, I was like, come on, man. It's like, you got to be pissed off. And it's like, and I wanted to also confront these industries or, you know, places like that of like, are you guys kidding? It's like, at least you don't have to invite him, but at least let him in for free. And um, he would, you know, I think it was tough for him because when I would ask these questions, he would just to think about them. So it was an, um, so when he, when I asked him in that scene, you know, do you regret it? I was completely thrown off. And everything you see in that movie is genuine. Like when I said, was, you know, do you regret it? And he said, no, I was literally like stunned. And that was a, wasn't at the end of filming. And I remember the day he said it to me, I turned to Liz, I said, that's the ending. But it wasn't really mm-hmm. shot in the end. But I was like, he's like, yeah. And I saw this glow in his eyes and his face just lit up. It kind of looked like the ending of 2001. <laughs> you know, he was just this kind of big smile. And I'm like, this guy's just not, you know. I mean, of course, you know, if you're making something, you love your subject. But this, this guy's really unusual. Yeah, it's so it's so odd that he is such an instrumental part of film history and yet anonymous. Uh, yeah. Before your before your movie came out, that is. So I mean, that's uh, not anymore. Joy. Now he's we, we say he's a <laughs> right. rock star now. Yeah. He's he an is. absolute it's... rock star. Yeah. So you so you screened this for the Kubrick family at at the estate. Yes, I um, I contacted Yan and then we agreed that I would show it to him in person because I wanted to also be there to kind of explain why certain things are in the movie and um, to be more of, you know, out of respect, representative of it and what the intentions, etc. And so I went um, and he was great. You know, he picked me up. We went there and, and I was in the house and, and, I remember, well, I was a little thrown off because, I mean, to, you know, I've never been to Kubrick's house. So that was like another um, big moment in my life, you know, to be there. And I remember with the room we were watching it and they said that this is actually the room where Leon filmed uh, Kubrick uh, for the award, for the, the W.D. Griffith Award, for the DGA. Yeah. Um, that was the same room. And um, yeah, they watched the movie. And I remember I was a little nervous because I didn't know um, if they would hate it or if I got thrown out or who knows, you know what I mean? You never know with these things. But but um, but I remember at the end like that Christiana loved it. And because I was like watching her and I felt like it was a little too much to kind of also put her through like Stanley died and He's trying to reach for an oxygen mask and all that stuff. I was kind of a little un- uneasy, didn't want to put her through this. But she said, no, she really liked it, and she thought it was really interesting. And uh, and then Yen, the same way. And it was, um, you know, of course, so once they were happy, I asked if I could go and visit Stanley's grave, which is in the backyard, because pay my, my you know, respects. And, and so I had my wonderful memorable moment of going in the backyard it was like i think it was like really kind of dark it was around 8 p.m and um and i just went back there and like saw where he's buried and uh, no it was quite an experience 
Can you still feel Kubrick in that house? You come up with really the like great and weird questions because you're <laughs> absolutely. Well, I have to say because no, because I remember that was a big thing that I felt when I was there. Um, that he was no longer there, and it was a very weird feeling. Actually, no, I didn't. I didn't. Mm. It was. It, it felt really odd to me. He wasn't there. Yeah. But what a gift to be able to pay your respects at at, at his grave. Uh, well, I was. I was so. Yeah, I was so moved by like even you know standing in that kitchen, which I have so many photos of him standing in that kitchen, and I would look at like one corner, and I knew that like he actually stood in that specific spot and I would like I just can't help but like really stare at the spot and touch the spot you know just like it's a you know maybe it's a little too much but when you admire someone of course it's um, this is as close as you're going to get to I completely understand it and and, and look I I know I know you and Elizabeth and I know how uh, sacred a lot of this must have felt for both of you to get yeah. to get that close to a man that you've obsessed with for years. You know, we did talk to people in the beginning that said, well, you need to kind of psychologically analyze him. Maybe he was a weirdo, this, that. And I'm, I was like, you know, I, we paused for a moment and I said, you know what? This movie is for Kubrick fans. It's yeah. like, you know, we're the, it's the tribe, you know, we, 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 we love the movies. We we admire the talent, his talent, and it's this is not like you know. So some people come in and go, but yeah, you know, you got to figure out. But he was weird. He was well. The movie's not about Kubrick being weird. These movies and this show is about Kubrick being amazing, um, and and that was the beauty of Leon Vitale. He like we all share the same feeling. That's the same how we, our views of of Kubrick are the same. And so Leon was just, uh, you know, a follower, you know, that like loved the man's work. And I, I think that's just beautiful that we found Leon and that he's given and, Stanley and, that much. Yeah. And he's someone, someone that gave every ounce of his being to his movies. And yeah. he, he rightfully demanded the same level of commitment from those closest to him. Um, even actors, everyone, whether they liked it or not, even if you didn't want to, he found a way to get you to do it. Even if you weren't aware that you were doing it, you know, it seems like since Kubrick's passing, there are a a lot of people that uh, can go off for days about uh, secret uh, secret messages or this was what he was trying to say with this or that. It seems like a, a cult that surrounded his work since his death. That during his life he played no part in. He he hated conceptualizing questions. Do do you think some of the diehards are taking Kubrick's legacy in a direction that he would not have wanted, or do you think that it's it's all part of Kubrick love and it's okay? My short answer to that is is that he was a chess player, like Leon said. And 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 have, and have, you know, like I've heard him say in different interviews that there is no there is no hidden meaning in things, or you know, he always talked about the fact that you're supposed to see whatever you want to see in it. He loved to leave things open.
for the audience's interpretation and and um he gravitated towards that but i can tell you this much from what i found in that sk13 the next one is um he was too smart too cl- he 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 played on so many fields that it is really a chess player and the chess player is always aware and is watching every piece, his own pieces, and he knows how to move and maneuver and his next move and he's aware of everything. And so um, you can't limit Kubrick. There's so much Mm -hmm. there and it's really up to you, the viewer. If you want to see him as, you know, whatever is in front of you, this is it. Absolutely. If you want to see beyond that, believe me, he's there and he's taking care of that too. And so I think that was, that's what made him brilliant is that he was aware of the different people watching his movies. And he liked, he almost like he had this amazing sensibility of how much to put in there and how much to take out. Right. And that's where the brilliance comes in but never say you know what's in there i think that's what you learn about them it's like they're like don't say i figured out something or i know what it was really like because you may be disappointed because it could it might even be more or above your expectation or like it's 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 kind of complicated and that's why i think the movies have this long shelf life um of of you're always going to see more in them with time, and that's beautiful. And and you, Liz, you want to share? Um, I think I, I agree with everything that Tony is saying. The one thing I would say about this is whether whatever he would think or wouldn't think, I think that it's when people watch the movies to interpret it in some way that is very specific to their own mind. So they're looking for clues to prove that he was really sending messages about, you know, cult groups. And that's fine if to, for your idiosyncratic way of thinking. But I think the only thing I, from, from everything we've looked at, I don't think Kubrick would want people to be distracted from the artistry of the work. Uh, they would want, he would want them to see it as his creative piece, not get lost in something that now takes away from the film itself because you're so locked into your own mind that you're trying to decipher everything rather than experience it on a feeling level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely agree. It it is kind of a uh, dichotomy in a way because you can take it in a direction that ignores the actual merits of the movie as Cooper contended. And yet the best movies you, you do experience and interpret through the prism of your own experience. You want that. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, it's, it's an odd thing at play here. <laughs> yes. And I think that great artists um, always will pluck certain chords in people that allow, you know, they call it, you know, multivalent. It has so many different voices that resonate within you and within different people. As long as it's resonating in some way, that's your experience of it. 
So I think, you know, for, I think it becomes more personal to us to say, like, okay, you don't have to be calculating every number and everything that shows up in a Cooper movie. But if that's what you're drawn to, fine. That's your own personal experience of the piece of art. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but to be honest, but at the end of the day, he still will. And that's really what impressed me about is that even when you think you figured it out, he's, 10 steps ahead of you too. And that's really like blew my mind. And I, mm. I, I hope I'm, 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 I'm expressing that, you know, because sometimes when you go into, when you spend years like researching someone and you look at all their notes and listen to things and ask people's stories and you're on it and on it and on it and you're watching the movies forward, backwards, zillion times. You kind of said there's in the back of your mind, you're going, you know, what? I'm going to get to a point and I go, well, maybe I'm just like kind of, you know, giving this person too much credit or like I'm seeing too much, but not with that man. It's very odd. I was almost got to a point where I was like literally blown away. But that's what, but it was the same thing with Leon. When I started to like dig after Leon too, and we started to like research and look into it. I also thought, okay, well, you know, the guy did lab work and all that stuff, but, like, is his level of knowledge really, like, really up there with, the, with you know, the big high-tech people and color correction and all that stuff? And then once you go to Warner and you sit with him or you listen to him with all the tech people, then you start to go, holy shit, it's not bullshit. There is a really, like... Um, it's like Jan- that Janet Wilson said in the film. Um, it's like when you sit with him, he really knows his stuff. And so you'd be sitting there and you hear like he knows density and he knows, you know, all the, the hues and the colors and, and what Stanley wanted and, and like the bath and the lab and all that stuff. And you start to go, wow, uh, you're not just, he doesn't just know it by, by eye but he really has more of an intensive kind of not. And don't forget Kubrick, like even in the beginning, he made him study. Um, he made him buy all the photography books and actually start studying them. Um, and he was just going to find Danny, but that's what he did in between uh, auditioning 4,000 kids. So if, if you're in that world for 30 years, or over 30 years, because with the restoration and everything, you, your knowledge is going to, um, you'll you'll reach a, a very specific level that is um, just rich with information. Well, it, it's clear that to, that that uh, that Leon is uh, the torchbearer for yeah. Kubrick's legacy. Does he feel comfortable? Is there anyone he feels comfortable enough passing that on to when he's no longer able to to do these things? You know, I think. This is up to the state and the family and Warner because they're really like Leon is not the one to make the decision. I think it's always like they'll find someone else. And if there's a mistake, they go get Leon. It's kind of that just the way it is in the business. And, um, you know, but I like Leon said something that I thought was amazing that taught me so much about Kubrick too, is that he said everything when Kubrick was alive, was a fight. Nothing was easy. And, and Kubrick had to fight for everything because we all have this assumption that it was Kubrick picks up the phone, gets whatever he wants. 
And he said, that's absolutely not true. And so, you know, for Leon, he does his work. And I think, you know, we were so proud to encountered him and met him and, and, and told his story. And um, otherwise, we would, you know, no one would have, you know, it just like that story would just been, you know, not even erased, just didn't exist. But the work was there. Um, so, but there's so much somebody like Leon could do and maintain or the next person or that's really up to the the people up there, you know, up top and the, the right. owners of the material right. and stuff like that, you know. Well, I just have two more quick questions for you. Uh, I would be remiss Please. if I didn't ask about uh, Arlie Irving because, um, of course, we all know he recently passed, and you guys got the last sit-down with him. Uh, and, and and Leon really <clears throat> was his partner in crime during the Full Metal Jacket shoot. I mean, he they were kind yeah. of inseparable. So you could feel the fondness that, that Lee had for Leon. Uh, what was that experience yeah. like sitting down with him? Oh, God. Um, I think that really explains it when I say, oh, God. It was, um, yeah, it was surreal because, well, first, I think when we contacted Lee, we didn't hear back. And then once we mentioned Leon, it was literally within two minutes. Um, <laughs> we got a response. And um, and I remember his manager said that he said because he really adores Leon and he feels like he owes Leon so much. And you saw in the film that he said that if it wasn't for Leon, he won't have or he wouldn't have, you know, the the performance in I in um, in Full Metal Jacket, excuse me, uh, wouldn't have been the same. And that his life and that amazing career he had, as from Toy Story to name it, it's like he really like you know, contributed to Kubrick and to Leon and what Leon really pushed him to do. And so it was, yeah, it was really amazing to kind of be in a house that is just like all these weapons. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, you know, I think he had more stuff like, like at a weapon store. I mean, it was like, it was literally like a museum. And, and um, you know, and he was funny because on when, when we were done, he said, uh, all right, Tony, lock, lock the door because I'm leaving lock when you're done and I'm like no you're not leaving me to lock this door by myself <laughs> it's like I'm not going to be responsible of what's in this house but yeah he just loved them and there's so many times we still have a lot of that interview um, and um, it's just you could see the tears in his eyes when he said I you know it's been a great life and um, yeah it was very uh, moving and and I, maybe Liz, you want to... Yeah, I, I have to say that, you know, we we drove out to where he lived. Um, yeah, out in the desert and where he lived out in the desert. Did not know what to expect. And he was so gentlemanly. He came out, he was friendly, he had no attitude, no arrogance. Just very, very happy to share his stories about Leon and about uh, Kubrick. And yeah, I mean just to see the amount of weapons and memorabilia and other things he had um, were, was really interesting. We have these um, peacock feathers actually that we took from his uh, compound there because he had all these peacocks running around and we thought, Oh, this would be a cool thing to have. And, you know, so I, I just, 
have to say that um, we were very pleasantly surprised at how generous and uh, what a good guy he was. And he really, really cared about Leon very, very deeply. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some Podico in a way too, because uh, he and Leon, because in both cases, both of their lives took uh, (laughs) kind of a completely different, unexpected turn. Yeah, Uh, by Kubrick. And like one wasn't really coming in to act, and one came in to act, and then didn't. Act. It's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like you never know what yeah. fate or your journey is. Gonna, you're absolutely correct. Uh, last question, alluded to it throughout the uh, conversation. Uh, I mean, this whole thing started with SK13. Um, is that still on the burner? Are you guys actively working on that? We're going to start to edit. Um, I think I'm hoping and, and, and I, I think the, the editing this time is, will be quicker because, you know, there is interest out there. And I think because the film worker is doing well that, you know, this is the hardest part about documentaries. No one wants to um, come in and say, oh, you know, you need help with this or production companies always shy away or studios. Nobody wants to kind of play along, it, which is a very odd business when it comes to docs. It's like so many people want to watch documentaries, but the industry doesn't want to come in and take you, like go with you along with the process. They want you to finish. Yeah. You want to go to a festival. You want to get the buzz. And then they would want to be involved. So on your, you're on your own always with docs. I mean, I'm sure there are different cases, you know. But, um, yeah, I think film workers are going to help now to like kind of get the – at least the 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 funding to you know to do it you know to do it right but yeah we had to put this aside because of leon uh because of leon's movie because of film worker and um and i think we have accomplished that right that, I, that goal i i really have to say something about this from the production end which is we could never have predicted that starting a, a documentary about stanley kubrick and you know his final film, ending up meeting Leon Vitali, taking this amazing journey and detour that's ended up beyond anything we could imagine in terms of how well the film has been received, how you know we completed the mission of giving Leon his recognition. But at the same time, as I was telling, I was telling this to Tony last night. Just when we look at where we were at when we started the SK13, and where we are now the level of knowledge and even access and materials and all of these things we never would have had if we hadn't done film worker just allows SK 13 to be even more in depth and comprehensive than it would have been otherwise. So it's right. pretty cool. that is. Plus Kubrick himself, as you've seen, you know, when we started this, of course, every, you know, people admired Kubrick and, you know, he was the man, but now, He's reached this peak level that has gone even, you know, you don't have to explain to people anymore why you want to do a documentary on Kubrick. Whereas when we started, it was still kind of like, really? So why are you doing that? Yeah, it keeps getting weirder and weirder. And uh, and with with all honesty, it's not because like that's our next project, but I think there's going to be another level because of like the stuff that, you from the research that we found is kind of like a bit it's it's jaw dropping in so many ways 
um, mm-hmm. that it was um, just mind blowing because, but again, you can hear it in our voice. It's like you can't, like it's like you sit and you talk about Kubrick, you just can't help it. It's um, and it's not like nothing is gloss. I mean, we were talking about like that was deliberate even with film worker from the beginning was like there are no sunset shots in that movie. There are no pretty shots in that movie. We tried to kind of like really like shoot everything the way, you know, even with with cuts and scabs and you could see that the harsh lighting in it, it's almost like what you see is what you get. And we didn't want to get lost into making things pretty and um, adding things that are necessary because it's like it's a world and we wanted to kind of convey where Leon lives and the world he's in, which is not glamorous. And but the mm. essence when you cut to the movie of Kubrick's movies, you go, Wow, you know, I, I think it's like it's almost like you have to be. We wanted to practice honesty with telling the story. We actually even pulled back more, there was like a lot of stuff that was still out there. But that's when you get into Kubrick's orbit, it's really like mind blowing how much the, the reality is, is more intense and beautiful. Um, and Leon is one of those people, and uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, we've, we've been lucky that people responded to the movie, you know, and to him. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, everyone has responded to Filmworker in such a wildly enthusiastic way. I mean, I, I certainly love it. I was, I was moved to tears during it, and 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 so excited in places when I saw what you guys had access to, and. Uh, you know, and I think people don't realize that you guys have spent years and years and years fully embedded in the Kubrick world, traveling oh. around the world uh, yeah. to, to to ask about his work in service of this SK-13. And yeah. uh, I think once you guys get in the editing room and, like, whittle it down, maybe you've got so much that the, the big challenge will be how do you know when you're done? <laughs> I mean, there has well, to that's be. the same thing with Phil Morker. Yeah, that was Phil Morker too. Yeah, it was tough to kind of like also trim it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you were saying like about you. about the length, or you mean? Or... There's so much material. Yeah, no, the, I mean just the... like. I mean, just like the breadth of the breadth of material you have. So, so it's. It, it, I talked to a yeah. lot of documentarians who are like, "That's a big challenge, just knowing when you're done." When when you have it and it's just kind of yeah. saying goodbye to it, knowing that it's it's done. Yep, and and I, and I think I've, I drove even Liz crazy with with like kind of like oh I'm not done. It's like but yeah you have to. <laughs> it's a, it's a challenge, of course, of course it is, you know, and it's like it's nerve wracking and you kind of like but again, it's um it's also a privilege and it's like it's so lovely to just share something with the audience about stuff that you know if you responded to it that way that the audience will respond to it because you know look Kubrick fans are like they're like literally like a specific breed they're unusual and like you can't mess with them it's like they're very like they know when you're kind of um, not making stuff if you kind of like kind of more you know pushing stuff out there that really didn't it's like they like new stuff they like like stuff that is hardcore I mean, that's how we ended up listening to you, to your show years ago. It's like, because you know when there's a podcast that is really about Kubrick that knows, you know, the show, they know what they're talking about. 
and there are other shows that you go, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. And you stay with that because we, we, we all have the antenna. And, and there's one thing I wanted to say also about uh, film work that's been interesting, and I think it will be the same with SK-13, with uh, Tony's approach, is that even, you know, we knew that Kubrickians would be fascinated by this just because of the access and, you know, the storyline. really has touched people who are not Kubrickian and who aren't even necessarily cinephiles because it's the story of devotion and finding a passion that, yes, may burn you out like a moth to a flame. But we've had people say to us about film work, you know, this movie changed my life, and these are people who have nothing to do with film. And I think it has to do with the idea that you found a passion, you know, Leon found a passion, and Leon's giving himself over. And uh, then we'll have other people saying, I don't see how anybody could do that. It was so disturbing. But still it made them think. And uh, so I think with SK-13, even though, yes, it's about Kubrick and it's about his, you know, his body of work in his last film, it's still about creativity and it's about somebody else finding their passion. And I think it's going to have a wider interest from that reason, too. Yeah. And we learned, like, Jamie, I mean, I have to say, um, I learned so much from, like, you know, it, it really is. I learned a lot from Kubrick fans and I learned a lot from your show. And I learned a lot from, you know, just the different people that talk about him or cover or like discuss or share videos online. It's like because I really became a junkie of like just like kind of checking and listening to everything and absorbing. So I just wanted to say that I, I, I appreciate it because of all this material. I was able to, for me, to just kind of keep going and chasing and also having an amazing producer like Elizabeth that was like, you know, you know, because sometimes I would ask her for stuff that really, you kidding me? Where do you want me to get you that? But, you know, she always found a way. And that's, that's mm-hmm. beautiful, whether it's, um, it's just, I just want to say how much I appreciate, like, just listening to your show and to to the, the, the Kubrick fans and all the resources that are out there and um, to people like Elizabeth, you know? Well, thank you, my friend. I mean, I... I hmm. I love the movie, and I'm so glad that uh, I know you guys, um, and that Thank we're you. simpatico at our love of Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, he put us all together for a reason. He's not. Gonna, he's still. He's still working from up there, or whatever he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You and I is like you know we. I mean, God, like I went to Florida and we shot together. We like we go way back now. So it's uh, yeah we do. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a quite what a what a journey. When somebody would say to Stanley, "I'd give my right arm to work for you," he would kind of smile, because I actually think he thought, "Well, why are you lowballing me? What, just a right arm?" I wanted, I wanted to be with Stanley, work with Stanley, do all that stuff. I just wanted to. So it's a happy ending? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course.